Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 103 and this episode is with the head coach at Strathclyde University and football consultant Barry Rogers. Barry came on the podcast to talk about one-to-one coaching and his focus in a one-to-one session. We spoke about his views on periodization, where it's undervalued, overvalued, um, and what he thinks on periodization. We spoke about all the different models, uh, periodization models that are available. We went into detail on football periodization, tactical periodization, and also manipula- um, manipulating even tactical periodization depending on the players or the team you've got available. Um, Barry Grick gave some great information as well on his current role with the men's team at Strathclyde University and on how he has implemented um, some periodization with his current team. So it was great to speak to Barry. I hope you take plenty from this episode. Anyone that is interested in periodization, there's loads of information in this one. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the episode with Barry. But I just want to say a big thank you to everybody that came onto the webinar last week with Nick Grantham. Um, we had loads of people jump on the webinar, so it was great to have all the interaction from everyone that attended the webinar. It's up, and it's always great to chat with Nick. Um, there was loads of great takeaways in the webinar, and um, the webinar is, is available to watch. If you if you weren't able to make it live, it's available on our community. So go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, and just register there, and you'll be able to get access to it. But we said in the webinar. We were going to give away some of Nick's books. So he's your hired books, an insider's guide to becoming a strength conditioning coach. And we've already announced it on social media, but I thought I'd announce it on the podcast as well. So the book winners were, um, we had Olive Training, um, Dave Rowe, Kate Taylor, Matt Archer, Geffen Bateman, and then we also announced um, Lindsay Whitaker as well. So They were for asking some questions live on the webinar and some feedback on social media as well. So a big thank you to those guys. The majority have reached out and um, gave their addresses so the books are on the way to you. If you haven't done so already and I've just read your name out, um, just make sure you drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com. That is obviously if you listen to the podcast. Um, but drop us an email with your address and we'll get the books sent out to you. But you know, like I say, the guys that have reached out and gave your address, the books are on the way to you. So thank you very much. And just keep an eye out as well. We do have some more webinars coming up very soon. Um, so we will announce the details as soon as we've got them together. But big thank you again to Barry for coming on this podcast and enjoy episode 103. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 103. I'm joined today by the head coach at Strathclyde University and football consultant, Barry Rogers. Barry, how are you? I'm well, Ben. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. This one has been one of those that we've been trying to get this in the books for a hell of a long time now. This has been a number of months, so thank you for your patience and uh, finally coming on. Nah, no problem. No, it's good to be here. Looking forward to having a, having a chat. Awesome, mate. Well, do you want to kick us off? Because I've just mentioned there um, your head coach at Strathclyde University, but also a football consultant. And I know there's, there's plenty of details for you to discuss within that. So do you want to just give us a bit of a roundup on your career so far and then what you're currently doing as well? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been working in the game 
um, for about 15 years now. Um, just kind of started through a, a passion for the game, playing it as a as a young player. Um, played at a, a kind of couple of youth clubs when I was younger. Um, never really amounted to anything in the game, um, but kind of found a, a route and path into to coaching um, through uh, college and, and university. So um, through my kind of studies and things, um, I started out doing a, an internship at, at Celtic um, in, in Glasgow. Um, so through there, kind of picked up some, some work in the community programmes, um, a little bit of our development centres with a boys' academy and, uh, and then predominantly with our kind of women's academy as well. So the university, um, kind of, I, was, I was fortunate enough to, to kind of start working at such a big club. Um, from there, through the kind of women's pathway, um, I had an opportunity to join Basel City, the you know, predominant women's team in, in Scotland. Um, so they were um, a kind of full-time programme and was working with their 17s to kind of reserve team squads and then fortunate enough to, to work with the first team as well. Um, same time as that, I was also working in a, a kind of dual programme as well. So I was kind of working a dual um, full-time programme at Glasgow City and also an organisation called Edusport Academy. Um, Quite a unique uh, project, Edge Sport Academy, where they bring French football players to Scotland um, on scholarship programmes. Um, they, they train full time um, and they also study, um, you know, kind of taking English classes and, and other studies as well um, through the scholarship. Um, they, they also play in kind of um, tier five um, of the kind of Scottish football pyramid. So that was quite an interesting period because it was almost working with two full-time squads um, at the same time. So I was, I was almost kind of doing 10 to 12 training sessions a week, you know, a couple of, couple of games a week as well. It was quite intense, but um, it was good for, for my own development. Um, I was lucky enough at Glasgow City that we were involved in the, the Women's Champions League as well. So we got to, to kind of participate against teams like Arsenal, um, PSG, um, so it was really good for kind of experience at the top level of the women's game there. Um, from there, I continued in the women's game to, to Stirling University, competing in the, the Women's Premier League 1 in Scotland, and also um, competing in the, the top uh, universities league um, in the UK. So. Um, again, that was quite an intense programme. We would be playing in the Women's Premier League at the weekend and then we would be travelling um, you know, to the likes of Birmingham, Leeds, um, Durham um, you know, during the week as well. So that was quite interesting being able to kind of manage a, a kind of dual programme in there. Um, and then recently, um, for the past kind of two and a half years, I've been kind of developing my own little kind of programme um Total Football Academy. Um kind of design and, and implement um club consultancy um for some kind of uh, boys and, and women's grassroots clubs in Scotland and also advising players from kind of grassroots to semi pro and also kind of 
people in the, the women's game um, on a kind of one-to-one basis, helping out with their training programmes, development programmes. And uh, head coach at Strathclyde University men's team now as well, just to kind of keep myself inside that, that kind of team environment um, and bubble. So, um, yeah, keeping busy and just kind of involved in, in kind of day-to-day ins and outs of football, um, which is obviously kind of why we're all involved for the, the kind of passion and enjoyment for it. Yeah, I know you certainly got plenty going on, um, Barry, which is what we spoke about on our on our call just a few weeks back, which is why why it's great to have you on because you're someone that's got um, experience in the men's game, in the female game, but then a part-time and full-time programme as well. So it's great to delve into your experiences in those. Um, yeah. Would you So when we set out with this podcast, I wanted to get people on in different roles that could have an impact on football fitness. And for me, that's a wide range of practitioners. It's not just a sports scientist. It's not just an S&C coach. But then again, it's not just a technical coach. So where would you say you fit on that sort of what, what was your role be more technical at the moment? Or where would you see you fit on, on, the, um, on that scale? Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting question, Ben. Um, something I've kind of thought about recently myself is, you know, what, you know, what, is, a, what is a head coach? What is a... What is an assistant coach? What is a you know head of, of performance? And I think certainly from kind of my point of view, in my opinion, um, as a as a football professional, I think you have to be it's great to specialise um, in one kind of particular area. But I think it's important as well to to kind of be a master of the craft and have good knowledge in in all areas. Um, you know, so that you're you're kind of taking a holistic approach. Um, definitely for me, my my kind of passion um, is is being part of that that kind of team environment. Obviously, I've, I've been a, an assistant coach in terms of performance side of it. Um, my, my, my kind of past two roles in the team environment has been, has been as a head coach, and um, so that's certainly given me a, a kind of an eye-opener, a different view of the kind of pressure of kind of being a head coach um, and what that entails. And it's obviously more kind of people management and kind of top-down guiding processes and, and, and cultures, for example. Um, I've obviously, I've got a keen interest in, you know, kind of the planning and methodology of training. Um, I think as a head coach, yeah, you do have to have a, a wide view of that. But I think it's more kind of for assistant and, and head of performance coaches that you know you're, you're, you are being a master of your craft. You know the ins and outs and all the small details um, to create that. So I think for me, certainly recently, the past couple of years, I've kind of went down that path of you know methodology, um, football periodization, you know, but tactical periodization as well, kind of in the, the process of doing some um, some online training um, through kind of the periodization models as well. Um, so, yeah, certainly head coach, but a little bit of that kind of, you know, assistant high-performance coach as well. Um, I think I would say my current kind of ideas are. Yeah, definitely. And that's um, it's something we spoke about recently on the podcast because the role of performance coach or performance manager um, that seems to be becoming more popular at the moment, doesn't it? And and what sort of practitioner fits into that? 
is quite interesting because it can be a number of different people. But I think you're dead right. Is that the the sort of modern day coaching or modern day coach for me needs to at least understand all the different roles that there are and the the different responsibilities. But at the same time, like you said, it, having a specialty is another argument, isn't it? And having a specialist area. So it is very interesting, which is why I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, it can it can help with, certainly help with communication as well. You know, I, I would always kind of think of it as when you look at a, a business, you know, you, you've, got, you've got a kind of CEO who kind of oversees the full project and then you've got, you know, five or six different departments within within that business. And if all of those five different departments are individuals and specialists within there, then it can certainly be the communication and kind of be lacking within within the business. Whereas if all kind of five departments, you have your specialities within your specific department within the business, um, but you also have a knowledge of what the other four or five departments are, are doing, what their roles are, what their jobs are, and, and how that connects to your own department, then, you know, the communication within the business in this example, you know, it, it just functions so much better, you know, and across the board, the communication is better, you know, and the, the team performance is, is better as well, and obviously implementing that to a, a team structure or a club organisation environment, for example. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to dive in to start with because you mentioned about um, your business that you set up, Total Football Academy. Um, so we're going to talk about one-to-one coaching because it's something, again, that's come up time and time again recently, the need for individualization within a program and the need in terms of from the player's point of view. We've spoke about this a lot. We spoke about it a lot in um, episode 100 with Tom Allen and, and Matt Taberner. Um, the need, the player's um, want or need of, of individualizing programs. So it's obviously something that you, you are focusing on within your business. So what's your approach to that? Yeah, so um, one part of this um, in terms of kind of things I work on um, is kind of working with some women's Premier League players, individual players um, who are either in a, a part-time um, semi-pro or full-time um, environment. Um, so for me, um, I've seen the you know, values of working kind of one-to-one with players. Um, what I always like to do though is have the, the team environment as the, st- the starting point, basically. Obviously the, the game, the football, you know, it's a, it's a team game. Um, so that, for me, that always has to be the starting point. Now, taking the team game to an individual um, is kind of two ends of the spectrum. Um, so taking the kind of game as a starting point, I always try to use that to filter down to the individual. So a lot of the stuff I would kind of do with individual players would be making sure that their training session that I do with them is periodised in terms of the plan, the training week that they have with their team. So can I screen the player to start with? Um, what has your training been like this week? You know, when have your most intense sessions been? How much game time did you have at the weekend? And then periodising their plan from there, always using kind of football as the starting point, trying to have as much 
decision making and focus on technical execution within the training session and then also kind of using that to develop that kind of football fitness. Um, so within that, there'll be a lot of kind of, um, obviously, ball manipulation. Because a one-to-one session is really intense. They're basically doing all the work within the session that, within a team session, the, the teammates will be doing some of the work as well. So the work-to-rest ratios um, are kind of vital. And that, I think, is tailored to what the player has done throughout the week in terms of training in games. Um, again, you know, in terms of the kind of um, technical execution, try to make it as much a low, there is a little bit of kind of falsification because decision making within an individual session is not really achievable because there's no team environment, there's no, unless you're maybe working with two players at the one time, um, there's not really decision making to be had within there. But trying to put the players in scenarios where they understand you know, this could happen within a game or that could happen within a game. Um, there's no hard and fast rules in terms of I want you to do this and this is exactly what's going to happen within the game. It's just trying to kind of give them a picture or an idea of different scenarios that could arise within the game and then kind of taking into the individual football fitness. Um, we're kind of working, depending on the time of season, um, for example, in pre-season, we could be working on Kind of explosive preparation exercises, building players up to being able to do um, full sprints. You know, it could be within a obviously at this time currently kind of in um, pre-season, building up to be able to kind of do full sprints within sessions and obviously within within games, and then kind of hitting the, the kind of the end season where we'll be working on. Um, maybe kind of football sprints for maintaining um, quality within games and in sessions, um, and also sprints for kind of, um, like I said, kind of quality, and then obviously um, kind of with maximum rest um, and then minimum rest, depending on the kind of fatigue of the, the player and the, the time of the week. So that's a kind of overview of how we would put all of that into a kind of package. Again, it's subjective in terms of where the player is within the season, um, what they are doing within the, the kind of team environment, um, and try to kind of keep it as close as possible to the, the game, which is obviously the game is the best trainer for a football player. Um, you know, but try to, to kind of mould that into working with them on a, on a one-to-one basis. Yeah, there's some really interesting stuff in there and I want to just take you back to right back to the start where you mentioned about because I've got a few things to pick out from that but the first thing is um, where you mentioned about screening so getting the yeah. player in screening the player and I'm guessing part of that is going to be like verbal in terms of finding out like like you've touched on then where they are in the season what they've been doing how many minutes they've played things like that but in terms of like actual physical screening how, how would that look for yourself? Yeah I think um, just to go back to um, well, if I take pre-season as a, as a starting point, for example, um, you know, the players, they, they may have a programme to do in the off-season, um, you know, kind of working away. I think for me, you know, I would maybe take a kind of safety-first approach. Um, but the players coming back, they're, they're probably the most freshest they're going to be within a season, you know, having that break. Um but they're probably going to be um, kind of the, the least fit that they'll be. 
throughout the season. So um, things, for example, the kind of explosive preparation exercises that I kind of mentioned there um, would be, you know, building up to, to full sprinting. So, for example, starting off working up to 60% of a player's maximum sprint and then week by week gradually working up to 100% um, of that kind of player's maximum sprint, not just kind of in terms of acceleration, but also um, in terms of deceleration, um, which is obviously kind of a high percentage within games and training as well. Um, I think within, within the sessions, I always kind of rely on um, the... I would kind of use that as a guide uh, within there, but also... I think, which is kind of undervalued um, and kind of visually, you know, screening a player physically is, you know, the coach's eye. How are they, how are they able to cope with the, you know, for example, the starting point, which is these explosive preparation exercises? You know, can you see the player, are they, are they struggling to um, recover between these actions? Can you see them, are they, are they breathing heavy? Um, within these actions are they fully recovered the time they're doing the next action um, within the kind of work to rest ratio um, you know is you know like say physically and visually kind of screening them you know is their face red how heavy are they breathing um, and then from there it's just a case of kind of gradual build up um, speaking with the player you know finding out what from them um, how, how intense they, they felt the session um, it's quite a difficult one as well because you could be working with different players from different clubs and, and different clubs have different you know training programs they have different views and philosophies on how how to train players as well so it's trying to get an idea from the player what they are doing at their club as well um you know and what they're doing on on specific days and, and just kind of having some different you know exercises prepared for them and, and, and up, up the sleeve that you can see if a player is maybe struggling then you can maybe do a, a less intensive exercise you can do more of a, an extensive exercise which is going to have less actions per minute and then kind of more recovery between actions as well so as a little bit of juggling as well for each individual um, because it's kind of so specialised um, but it's, it's it's good and it's it's challenging as well because it always kind of it, it helps you learn um, it helps you kind of work in that individual environment you know, with the, the individual player. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's definitely more practitioners and coaches that are going to be um, running businesses or working in that way, isn't there, that working with individuals. And I think what you said about um, not having that, the real-life situations because you've only got one player, that's an interesting discussion as well, isn't it? Because obviously... The, the stimulus out on the pitch in terms of the ball, in terms of teammates, opposition, there's a lot going on, isn't there? And when you when you suddenly have one player out there with you, it removes yeah. a lot of that, doesn't it? So to make it specific to a match situation is going to be hard, but at the same time, there's things you can do and things you can work on, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's, um, you know, there is, there's a lot of kind of basic actions, um, you know, that you can you can do within, within the sessions. Um, mentioned ball, uh, ball manipulation as well. You know, it's, a, it's an intense session because the player is there, they're on their own. You know, they're not maybe having to 
to stand in a, a queue of three or four players that they would do a, a team session. You know, there's a repetition there and then depending on where the player is within the week, is it maybe a longer recovery or is it maybe more intensive session where they've done their repetition and then bang, 10 seconds minimum recovery and then they're back into it. And I think that's where there is a big kind of, um, you know, call for it and, and a want for it from players because you can see that, you know, within a session a player might not get that attention for the, the full hour in terms of a team session, but you're there working with them and you can see that the players, a few players always enjoy working. They always enjoy feeling that at the end of a session that they've, they've done something or they've, they've really worked out, you know, and sometimes within a recovery session with a team, sometimes don't feel as if that you've, you've done that work, you know. It is necessary. Obviously, recovery sessions are very necessary, but um, within that kind of one-to-one situation, players using a kind of general term they feel as if they've had that kind of sharpness with the ball manipulation and uh, it, it, it does kind of boost confidence in terms of then going into their team session knowing that they've had that extra preparation um, you know kind of in that individual environment Yeah and the next bit we wanted to move on to Barry because um, there's still plenty we could go into on the individual coaching side but I'm just worried that we a big part of the podcast we wanted to talk about was was periodization. Um, yeah. now there's a million different ways we can go with this, but I wanted to just start out um, by asking you about your views on periodization because I, I, you see a lot of people posting about this topic. Some mm-hmm. saying it's yeah. undervalued, some saying it's overvalued. So where do your views sit? And then we can sort of break down models and your views on, on that. Yeah, um... I think when you, you look at the, the term, you know, obviously there's a, a lot of terms out there, you know, that are banded about and things like that, but I think you need to kind of simplify periodization to start with. And I think, you know, a lot of coaches or teams maybe look at what they're doing. They all will be practicing periodization to a, to a certain extent. And I think you need to look at periodization and what it means to start with. And it's basically just um, the planning and the execution of all training in games basically so it's it's your preparation and planning within your week um, within your your training session within your game preparation um, how you're managing players individually how they're managing the team individually so it, it is there um, and I think when you bring all that together the the, the term for that is, is periodization um, obviously there is you know some kind of different models that you, you can use out there, historical models and more contemporary models. Um, obviously, there's a kind of football periodization model and you have um, tactical periodization model. Um, you know, there's some different kind of practitioners out there and from kind of Barcelona, um, Packer, Sura in terms of his cognitive periodization model as well. Um, so there are different kind of like same models out there. Um, in terms of my kind of studies and, and kind of how I've kind of um, worked with them practically um, on the field, kind of biggest ones that I've used in, in studies of, you know, obviously the kind of football periodization model that I from, obviously, um, you know, Raymond Hagen and, and how he's kind of developed it. And then um, the kind of tactical periodization model, um, you know, a lot of kind of... 
um, high-level coaches through Mourinho and Brendan Rodgers, kind of taking that from um, Viva Frade, which is obviously a kind of Portuguese um, periodization model. Um, my views on it, and, and kind of through some of the, um, I've been participating recently in the football periodization mentorship um, and online um, pro course. I was actually supposed to go to um, Germany in, in March there before all the kind of shutdown. So um, I was going there to study kind of football tactics and periodization um, evolution. Um, so through my kind of studies of that, the football periodization model, and I was introduced this kind of to start off when I started working at, at Glasgow City, and I really seen the, the effectiveness of how, um, yeah, it's great to have really good individual players, but if you have a team that's functioning to um, the, the peak of their capabilities and their top fitness, um, not just at certain stages of the season, but gradually building up towards kind of business end of the season um, and having a programme that goes into such minute detail in terms of how you periodise your week, um, where you have your different intensities within the week, and also your methodology within each training session. Um, so it's not just about having a subjective opinion and saying, well, I feel that um, within the week, we play the game on a Sunday. Um, I want to have my recovery session um, on a Tuesday, and then I'm going to do my most intensive session on a Wednesday, and then I'm going to do my more tactical work um, Friday, Saturday, in preparation for my game next week on, on a Sunday. That's kind of based on just how a coach perceives or how a coach thinks, using their experience, they should um, prepare their week. Whereas using kind of football as a starting point from the kind of football periodization model, um, using the, the kind of um, the hierarchy of um, using communication, decision making, execution, and then using that as the full kind of football fitness program, I've seen kind of through my experience practically on the pitch. Um, you know, when I kind of first was introduced to it through kind of being at Glasgow City and working with some different coaches, how effective it, it can be. And like I say, it's a, an objective application using football as the starting point. Football, um, the starting point for football is the same at all, all levels. All teams attack, all teams defend, and all teams transition in between the matter if you're um, at the top level or in grassroots, um, that is the kind of starting point for football. And it's quite interesting um, how specific and minute the details are through the football periodization methodology um, in terms of within the week, are you doing an intensive on an extensive warm up within your session? Are you doing an intensive or extensive passing exercise? Um, Again, possession exercises are very intensive, extensive, um, and also what type of games are you using within the week um, that are going to hit all the different areas of the kind of football fitness as well. Um, and that is really pushing the team and individuals to the kind of limits of their kind of capacity as well. Um, instead of just kind of subjectively saying, right, okay, today I feel like doing... 
this type of possession exercise. I'm going to do three blocks of four minutes and I'm going to give them a rest of one minute in between. It's actually so detailed within the sessions and the progression throughout the season that your team is going to keep in top fitness but also maintaining their freshness as well. So that's just kind of an overview of my experience in terms of the football periodization model. Um, which is obviously kind of more, it's a subjective application of an objective football reference. And I think it would be great, Barry, if we could um, relate it to your current role. So if you're happy to um, go into some details about how you've practically made that work within your current role, because I'm guessing are the, are the players at the moment, they're part-time, obviously being university players. Yeah. Part-time yeah. programme. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, part-time programme. And, and that's kind of been... Um, well, the past two roles I've had have been in kind of university football, um, and it can you can see it as part time. But throughout the week, the, the players I'm working with just now is basically for a large majority of the season. Um, they have a double game week, so they'll be competing on a Wednesday within their university league, but they'll also be competing. Um, in a, in a league at the weekend as well, um, which within itself is is obviously a challenge to kind of manage two games a week, kind of week in, week out. So, um, for example, um, at the minute, you'll have a game on a Saturday, um, a day off on a Sunday, we'll come in and train on a Monday, um, and then we'll have a game on a Wednesday. Um, we'll have a a session on a Thursday, a day off on a Friday, and then we'll play a game on a Saturday. So it's quite it's quite intensive in terms of game training, game training, and obviously trying to kind of maintain that kind of uh, recovery in between and the freshness. So for me, I see it as, as being quite difficult in terms of having high intensity sessions within the week because the players don't have any issue with maintaining their fitness because they are playing to... 11, the 11, 90 minute games per week. Where, where we kind of struggle is trying to get um, uh, intensity, so more actions. Um, so it's difficult to do any sort of small-sided games, intense sessions, when basically the players are coming in on a Monday night team playing on a, a Saturday and they are basically just recovering and preparing. They're, they're not fully recovered from the game on the Saturday to go and then do any sort of intensity. Then we have to be mindful of we have a game on a Wednesday as well, avoiding overtraining and um, sort of refresh again for the, the Wednesday. And then basically from Wednesday to Saturday, we have a, a two-day turnaround. Thursday is basically just a recovery session and working on playing style development and then coming back into playing on a Saturday. So... Whenever we have a, a neutral game week where we don't have a Wednesday game or we don't have a Saturday game, then that would be your window to do a, a more high-intensity session, whether that is uh, looking at football sprints with maximum or minimum rest, um, small-sided games, um, looking for that intensity, or maybe a, a larger-sided game. But like I said, because of, because of so many 90-minute games within the, the season, then we don't have any issue. We kind of maintaining our fitness towards the end of games 
Um, it's more of kind of high level of intense action within, within the games as well. Now, I mentioned at the start of the episode the update to our online community. So the last week's webinar with Nick Grantham is now available on our online community. So go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab at the top, and if you are a member, just sign in there and that'll take you onto the community. You'll be able to access all the webinars and presentations. If you're not a member, if you register there, go through the whole registration process. It will give you one month free on the community. So you can go and check out the webinars and presentations that are available. And after that, it is only £4.99 per month. And um, the upcoming webinars that we are just confirming at the moment will be going onto the community as well. So if you do become a community member, you'll get access to, I think we've got all the 23 webinars and presentations on there now. Um, but the future webinars, if you're not able to make them live, they will also be available on the community. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign up there. Here is part two of the podcast with Barry. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. This is going to relate a lot to a lot of listeners, I think, because we've had a lot of people getting in touch that are in um, either like semi-professional or, or part-time programs and to hear people's approaches, because essentially your players, are they're, they're playing on a full-time program, aren't they? Twice a week is what full-time players would do, but they're only training yeah. uh, on a part-time program. So it's really interesting, isn't it, mm-hmm. to keep, like you say, maintaining that fitness, but achieving that intensity is, is I'm guessing is a real battle for you for you yeah yeah um and it's interesting as well because the a lot of the Wednesday teams will compete against are in the same situation you know they're, they're students for the high level you know the decent level players but they're, they're students but they'll be playing Wednesday and also Saturday but when we go to play against teams who are playing on a Saturday they basically just have a a weekly program um, so it's kind of semi pro kind of amateur level where they'll be playing Saturday Saturday and they'll have a, a good training week together they'll be fresh and, and you'll be going in to compete against a team who've had a full week to prepare whereas you've had kind of two days well one session to prepare you're basically damage control from the previous game and just trying to kind of manage the players going into the next game so it's challenging um, you can see it taking effect sometimes as well um, where you're kind of you know um, you know you're kind of doing your best you can putting your hands up and saying this we're at the limits of what we can do here and just trying to manage the programme but from a kind of coach development point of view um, it's really good because you, you need to be on the ball with your methodology and your planning and um, you know all aspects of you know the, the team environment and just on that, I think it'd be interesting. How was the program? Uh, what did the program look like when you first stepped into that role? Was it very different to now? Was it something that you had to put, suddenly put a, a new methodology in place, or was it running similar to to how it is now? Yeah, um, you know, when I'm at the end, kind of, you don't have a, I don't have a great idea of exactly how it looked before um, through kind of speaking to players coaches previously, um, etc. I didn't, you know, they, they did have, the, the programme there was kind of more focused on kind of university side, the Wednesday games within there um, and just allowing kind of the, the weekend stuff um, to kind of be as it is 
I don't believe they had the kind of methodology and the de-periodization. And something that I think can be quite challenging is, for example, a player's played on a Saturday, they come in and trying to get players to understand um, that it's important that they recover and keep themselves fresh for going into a game on the Wednesday. You know, I, I always feel that players want to come into a session and they want to go in and feel as if they've done something, they've worked hard and they've got something out of it. And I think that is important to have that intensity, but I think you always have to be mindful of they have to be fresh for the, the next game. So trying to not force that down players' throats, understand what the kind of culture was there previously um, and give the players the references to understand um, you know, that, that this is geared towards the best preparation from them and, and more so kind of guiding them and not basically saying, listen, this is, this is how it's going to be and it's, um, it's, it's this or nothing. You know, kind of trying to, to kind of guide them um, towards um, allowing them to have ideas and their input as well because I think that's important that they've got, you know, um, skin in the game and it's, it's theirs as well. Um, but kind of trying to guide your ideas and, and your methodology to, to kind of make them understand that it's important that they're kind of fit and fresh as well. Yeah, that freshness is, is really really important, isn't it? And you mentioned before that they're going to be they're going to be maintaining that football fitness throughout the season, playing twice a week anyway. So it's just getting them to understand that, isn't it? But I know you're dead right with that. Players want to come in and they want to get get go for really tough sessions every time. Um, otherwise, they feel like they're not doing they're not doing that much, don't they? So it's just that it is that education part, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that is important. Yeah, um, it's it's just it's a it's a balancing it is a balancing act, um, you know. And as it's almost instead of kind of speaking to them and, and telling them, allowing them to experience it, and and you know maybe doing a really intense session in between two games and, it, and letting them experience how they feel and maybe the performance and players will keep going but you can certainly see you know players towards the end of games or the, the intensity of the actions and you can see that they've all been struggling with that fatigue and the accumulation of fatigue as well so maybe not just explaining it to them but allowing them to experience it can help as well. I'm guessing that's why it's great to work at the university level is because you can you can do things like that, can't you? Because at a, a full-time professional level, it, it's going to be harder to implement something like that, isn't it? But with the university players, that's a great way of educating, isn't it, to put, actually put them through that? Yeah, yeah. I think doing that, you would always be mindful. You don't want to overtrain players. We're purposely overtrain them to, to kind of, you know, accumulate fatigue or whatever. Um, but having that having that line or, or maybe just having that idea that you can bring up a situation within a game to a player and say, listen, because we're having these so many games and so short short succession and doing intense training sessions, um, you know, this is this is affecting your performance and definitely it's all about kind of trial and error um, and finding finding what works within your environment and, and and in your culture, um, you know, from there. And I think that's how you, you understand what works. You kind of get that, um, 
eureka moment where you say that this is, is kind of what works within this environment in this culture. And that, that sort of ties in with one thing I wanted to ask as well on the periodization is that you, you obviously mentioned the different models that are out there and that are available. And I'm sure some people have heard of some, some people haven't. And when you mentioned about the cognitive, I'm, I'm, that's an area that I don't know too much about. So in terms of um, as a coach, sort of selecting which model you're going to go with, what's your approach to that? Because there's so much information out there, isn't there? That How do you manipulate it depending on the team or the players you're working with? Yeah, um, I think I think first and foremost, obviously, you kind of have to have a look out there and see um, what is what is there and, and kind of what is being practiced. Um, then from there, it, I think it depends on you know the the environment you're in, um, what your culture is, and being respectful of if you're going into a, a new environment or a new team. That you're not just coming in and saying, listen, whatever you're doing or whatever you've done previously is gone and then just, you know, putting this model in place and kind of ramming it down the, the players' throats. Um, but also being mindful of, you know, your philosophy and your ideas and letting players experience, you know, what you want to do Um you know, constant communication with the players and asking them their input and in, in which way they want to do things. Um, I think that then allows you to have your input um, and saying, listen, for example, I've got three or four non-negotiables. This is the way I would like to do. So that it's more of a team environment and you're kind of guiding the process. Um I think from then, like I mentioned previously, you need to kind of have that, um, you know, kind of testing um, each model within your environment, see what see what works, see what, what doesn't work. Um, and I think each kind of, I think everybody has their own their own truth um, to, to find out what, what works for them. Um, and then I think from there, if you are experiencing success um, I think evaluating is, is so important individually and for the, the training program as well um, keeping, keeping notes logging your training sessions um, and also having a, a starting point and a, a reference so that it's not just complete randomness you're not just saying right, I'll, I'll try that put that and it doesn't work always having that kind of football as a starting point um, and the kind of hierarchy through attacking, defending, transition and communication, decision making um, football fitness um, but I think speaking about football periodization model and tactical periodization model for me looking at it I think even these two um, you can use, I think you can use parts from each of them um, I would certainly say the football periodization model um, is it's, it definitely um, has its truths and um, its subjectivity. Um, it's almost hard and fast rules, but obviously um, not everything everything is open to kind of interpretation. Um, and then when you look at the, the tactical periodization model, it does have an objective framework. Um, and I've got a wee kind of framework that looks at the... Um, 
the objective and subjective side of tactical periodization. Um, I can share with you guys or, or kind of whatever you, if you've somewhere that you could kind of share it with uh, the kind of network. Um, so in say tactical periodization, it basically, it basically shows you an objective way how to frame, obviously, your, your tactics or your game model within your team. Um, and then from there, the subjectivity through all the kind of different moments of the game, the kind of main principles and sub-principles, um, that then comes down to the pure subjectivity and ideas um, of the coach, which is basically the, the art of coaching because there's, there is an objective part of football where you can say, you know, this is the reference point, but there's also the huge subjective part is how do you apply this? Um, you know, and not everybody's application is the exact same. Um, so obviously you've got all your kind of different um, sectors within your team collectively as an 11 um, through different intersectors and sectors um, within the team and then individually. The biggest thing that I've picked up from tactical periodization is a lot of people think it is just about the overall team. Um, it is to an extent, but it is tactical periodization and the game model um, allows each player within the team to have an idea of um, what each individual player is trying to do at every single moment within the game. Um, so when I have the ball, I know exactly what the rest of my team are trying to do within that game because it's so specific. And because of that, the player is actually free to be more creative within their decisions. Um, which then individually is going to help um, the players in terms of their development. So it's just having an idea of each team function um, so that the players know exactly what the team and individuals are trying to do within that game. And then based on that, the individual player is more free to, to have a better um, and higher level of quality decision-making and creativity within that. So I think the football periodization model is the overall kind of objective side of it. There is a kind of how do you apply that um, for each team. It's going to be different, but certainly tactical periodization has its objectivity and subjectivity. And then you look at, just briefly, you mentioned the kind of um, cognitive side of tactical periodization um, it kind of takes in, um, for example, the kind of central fatigue. Um, so after a game, for example, on a Sunday, um, players given them their absolute all um, full 90 minutes. It's the most difficult part of the week. Um, they're not just um, physically fatigued, but also cognitively fatigued and that kind of central nervous system um, emotionally fatigued. So football periodization says that um, match day plus one is probably the best time to do a recovery session um, through recovering physically. But tactical periodization goes on the, the, the idea that match day, match day plus two 
is probably the best time to do your football recovery session. Um, so Sunday game, day off on a Monday, train on a, a Tuesday would be a tactical periodization model for players recover cognitively and emotionally. Football periodization is more recovering from physical fatigue, which would be game Sunday, recovery session Monday, physically recover and then allow the players to, to kind of have a day off on the Tuesday. So kind of some differences in there. Um, and again, I think that's kind of what fits for your culture, what works for you, um, you know, testing things, try it, see how players react to it, allow them to have input, have your own ideas as well and make sure that you implement it, but try and, try and guide that as well. Yeah, that... Cognitive is really interesting, isn't it? Because I guess in that changes as well, depending on the game. So, for example, at pro level, if you've had a really intense derby game and the results possibly not gone the way that you wanted it to go and things like that, there's going to be more emotional and cognitive fatigue, isn't there? Whereas other games, there might not be as much. So I'm guessing that just constant, needs constant um, evaluation as well. Yeah, definitely. And that, like you say, that's the kind of um, subjective application, um, you know, and, and and having that built in your own experiences into that that knowledge. And I think it's the same. It's not, I believe it's, it's not just for players as well, you know. As coaches, when you're in that intense environment, you know, you're having games, weekend, midweek, constantly. Um, you know, sometimes it's good just to have that, you know, if you game one day, then you're back into a session, you're trying to analyse and, and kind of prepare for the next one. It's good just to have that um, that day off, um, just to kind of emotionally kind of sort out your brain and your, your thinking as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think many will relate to that. <laughs> um, but I think it's some top stuff in there. I wanted to um, wrap up with the uh, quick fire questions that I, I briefly warned you about at the start um, they're not the hardest but I think we get some some decent information from these at the same time so the first one is um, who would you say you can have a few on this one as well so who would you say have been some of your biggest career influences um, yeah so I've had, had a couple uh, I'd certainly say a coach uh, head coach that I worked with uh, at Glasgow City um, Eddie Eddie Blackie-Black, he's now the head coach at Motherwell. Um, took me under his wing right away. You know, first first week I started working with him, he had me at his house for dinner. He, he really, he really kind of gave me time. He, he wanted to kind of develop and, and, and help out and really kind of find out information from him and developing my coaching, but also how to kind of manage people and work with people as well. I'd certainly say he was one of the biggest influences. And then the next one, um, what, what would you say your biggest strength is as a coach? Um, biggest strength as a coach, I would certainly say probably planning and, and periodization. I'm, I'm quite, um, I like the kind of organization um, side of it. Um, certainly try to, to develop my tactical awareness. Um, I'd say I'm, within the kind of tactical awareness, I'd say I've, quite strong in terms of pattern recognition and I've been able to zoom out within a game and and, and kind of look at it from a, a kind of broader, broader spectrum. 
Awesome. Ties nicely in with the episode as well. So uh, that's good news. Um, next one. What's the some of the best um, CPD that you've done recently? So whether that's like a, an online webinar or obviously we've not been to many courses recently, but um, have you got a, some CPD that stands out? Yeah, um, I think the, I've, done, I've done a recent one focusing on tactical periodization. Um, there's some good stuff out there. I'm sure you'll see it online. Uh, my Portuguese isn't great, but I think it's called Periodizal Tactica. Um, and that's by Vita Friday. That was that was a good intro course. Um, and then um, through the cancellation of the course I was supposed to be doing in Germany, I've been doing an online um, elite mentorship and pro course, which is quite intense. That's going to be for the next 13 months. And that's through FC um, Football Coach Evolution. Um, so that's been quite a, a good, intense course that I've been, been doing recently. Awesome. And then the final ones is the same question for two different two different people. So the, the biggest relatable um, or most relatable trait um, that you see in a coach? Relatable trait? Um, I think it's... Um, I think it's just trying to be understanding that, that some days you might not be better than the, the previous day, but just trying to be better than you were um, the, the, the kind of following day. Um, football is a, is a really tough game. Um, you know, the, the industry is a, a tough game. Um, but I think it's just kind of having the, the belief in yourself and the, the optimism that... Um, you know, to, to, to stay in the game and, and just kind of give your all. Um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of coaches can grind themselves down and, you know, get caught up in, and try to push themselves a lot. So I think it's important to kind of, you know, manage yourself personally, um, you know, and, and kind of periodize your coaching, if you want to kind of say it that way. Keep yourself fresh, um, you know, kind of, look after your, your, your kind of well-being as well. So I think that's important um, in terms of coaching trip. And then the same question, but for a player, but I suppose with the player, it's it's sort of the traits that you'd like to see from a player. Yeah, I, I think um, from that is, um, you know, kind of having a buy-in to, to the environment that you're in. Um, having a, uh, an input in terms of how you want to see um, the, the culture that you're in um, and, and what way you like to see that going. Um, it's, uh, I think it was just a, a general one, but I think you can, as a coach, you can see the players who want to push themselves. For example, the, the players that come in and, and do um, one-to-ones with me and kind of the consultancy I give them um, they're going out with their way out with their own team training to go and do extra um, and for me seeing players um, that, that want to do that I think that's a, an important value yeah that's a great point awesome well that's it you're through the you're through the quick fire there mate I think they were really good um, no, I think there's some top stuff in there like I said we've had a, a number of messages about coaches in, in um, 
not in the professional game, in part-time football. So I think this episode really does relate to those guys as well as others that are, that are in the, the full-time game as well. So thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, is there, if people have got questions, they want to reach out, they want to drop you a message, where's the best place to do that? Uh, probably best, you could probably catch me on LinkedIn, uh, Ben. Um, obviously, just simple search Barry Rogers on LinkedIn. Um, kind of relatively active on there. Um, kind of reach out, drop me a message, um, or, or even email. Um, I don't know if you, if you just give my email. It's, um, it's Barry Rogers, and it's Rogers with a D. Barry Rogers two eight four at gmail dot com. Um, can I reach out? I'm, I'm happy to catch up or, or answer any questions. Brilliant! Really appreciate that, and I'm sure there will be a few questions out there on certain things. So, um, yeah, I encourage people to get in touch with with yourself and um, get some conversations going about things. I think it's always good to follow up on these episodes. So, um, but again, Barry, thank you very much for coming on, and apologies for the. The months and months and months of trying to fit this in, but I, I delivered in the end. So thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thank you, Ben. Um, it's great to, to be part of it. Uh, football Fitness, we're doing, a, doing great work for you guys and been a follower for a while. Um, so I'll be watching keenly and, and keeping up with what you guys are doing. Thanks very much. Thank you, mate. We'll stay in touch. Great. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, Barry. Big thank you to Barry for coming on the podcast. I said on the at the start with him that he's been very patient in me trying to get this one organised. This one has been a long time coming. It's probably took about five to six months to actually get this one in the books. So I really do appreciate him giving up his time and um, yeah, giving up all his knowledge as well because there's so much he's offered in this podcast around periodisation. Um, gone into great detail, so I hope you took plenty from it. You can go and follow Barry on Twitter. He's at underscore B underscore Rogers. And Rogers is with a D, so R-O-D-G-E-R-S. So go and give him a follow. Um, quite a few takeaways from me. So he used a CEO analogy, which we, we've used before on the podcast. So the um, acting as a CEO in a business um, relates quite nicely to, to the role of a coach. Um, I've heard quite a lot of people use that before, but I really like that analogy. And then the t- he, he mentioned time and time again, the team environment is the starting point for one-to-one work. So working back from the game, he used a lot. He used that phrase a lot, which I think is really important. He talked about using the coach's eye in, in the screening process and so not just using closed drills in screening, but using the coaching eye as well. Um, I've made a note again the game is the starting point which he mentioned quite a few times which I think is a great point and then he also said that tactical periodization is not just about the overall team and it allows for each player to know what others are trying to do so I think that was a great point that it isn't just about the individual player it allows um, players to learn um, about the insight into what the coach is trying to do with every single player. It allows you to understand other people's roles as well. So they were my takeaways. Um, as always with the podcast, it'd be great to hear what your takeaways were. So give us a shout on social media. We're at Football Fit Fed on Twitter and Instagram. Or drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com. Um, again, we've had some great feedback again this week, and I really do appreciate every single message 
that comes in from you guys. It's really great to hear from you. Um, we obviously keep an eye on the numbers of people listening, but it's always great to interact. So please do reach out. Give us a tag on Instagram or Twitter. Um, it would be great to hear what you're taking from these shows. And as always, any recommendations of guests or topics, I'm all ears. So please reach out and let me know. And um, again, big thank you to Barry for his patience and coming on to the podcast. And we will speak to you again in episode 104 next week.